Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our Wednesday episode for week six. Uh, first of all, I am your host, Karsten. Welcome to the show, or welcome back to the show. Whether you've been listening previously or you're brand new to the podcast, either way, we appreciate your support on the show. Uh, as might be evident by my voice, I'm still recovering a little bit from sickness, definitely feeling a lot better than I did yesterday when we did the podcast. <clears throat> Excuse me. There might be some throat clearing still. I apologize for that. Uh, we shouldn't have a, a too long of an episode today, especially where we did one just yesterday. Uh, but we're going to really focus on the wrap up of the group play stage of the in-season tournament, which of course means that the tournament uh, group itself, those that are going to be playing in uh, the knockout rounds, starting with the quarterfinals, those eight teams, four from each conference have been set. And we're going to just dive right into that. We're going to uh, recap all eight games. Let me double check, make sure. Yes, eight games from last night's action are covered. And we're going to start with the New York Knicks clinching the wild card spot in the Eastern Conference. Congratulations to them with their win at home over the Charlotte Hornets, 115 to 91. Your final score there, Knicks winning big. Um, and yeah, you expect that, especially with the Hornets struggling this season. It was a close game, especially third quarter. Hornets kind of brought it close. Um, but then uh, the Knicks able to run away with it in the end. No LaMelo ball in this game for the Hornets. Uh, and actually, let me just jump into that while I can and while I'm thinking about it. Uh, we did have some injury updates on LaMelo ball. He was uh, he suffered a serious sprain in his right ankle. He's likely to miss extended time. This is per Shams Tarania of uh, The Athletic, I believe, is his. Yes. Uh, tests show ball avoided a fracture in the ankle which required surgery last season and a cautious approach is expected. So definitely troubling uh, that there's an ankle injury, definitely good that it wasn't as serious as previous years, but uh, them being without him, they already were struggling to win games uh, at that point without LaMelo. That's going to be an even tougher task. So uh, definitely tough for the Hornets without LaMelo. They were led by uh, Brandon Miller, uh, starting technically at kind of a guard uh, alongside Terry Rozier, who's back. So that's good that they won't be without Rozier and Ball. Rozier comes back just in time for LaMelo to leave, but that's besides the point. Again, 18 points for Brandon Miller, uh, 13 points for Miles Bridges. Uh, he's back as well, so that's you know some production they're getting. 12 points, 12 boards for Mark Williams, and 11 points each for Terry Rozier. And also P.J. Washington coming off the bench. Those are the double-figure scores for Charlotte. Meanwhile, for the Knicks, uh, Julius Randle, 25 points and 20 rebounds, really dominating this game. Uh, alongside Emmanuel Quickly's 23 points coming off of the bench. Uh, 17 for Josh Hart off the bench as well. 16 points for R.J. Barrett. And 12 points, 7 assists for Jalen Brunson. Struggled offensively. Well, it, I say that. He didn't shoot terribly. He just didn't take a lot of shots. And uh, maybe when you have some other guys who are in a good flow, uh, the team is playing well, and you have some leads, uh, there's not that much pressure. you know. And maybe he's stepped back a touch from what he did last season, but he's still a good point guard for what the Knicks are doing, I think. And, uh, again, a great win for them. Congratulations. They're moving on to the in-season tournament. And uh, that was the first game. They clinched that wild card spot. With that, they did uh, eliminate a lot of other teams' hopes to make uh, the, the tournament. Of course, all the other teams in their uh, in their group. Let's go ahead and double check that. So they, you know, they had eliminated the Heat, the Hornets, the Wizards, the Bucks. Uh, therefore, needed a win to clinch that spot, uh, and they were playing in Miami against the Heat. 
Uh, oh, so, sorry. So going into that, it was, well, now I've already kind of spoiled it. If you hadn't already heard, yes, the Bucks beat the Heat in Miami, uh, 131 to 124. That was the, the other game that was a big part of East Group B, which is what the Knicks are in. Knicks clinched the wild card at the least. Um, depending on the Bucks winning or the Heat winning, they would have had a chance to maybe even to clinch the group, I believe, uh, because of the, the whole point differential thing. Uh, but the Bucks winning outright, they went 4-0 in the group, so they won it. The Heat were 2-2, two two, so that decided it. Knicks were the wild card. Bucks clinched that group, so congratulations to the Bucks. They move on as well, and they had the greatest point differential of any of the Eastern Conference teams, plus 46. Uh, the next best was the Indiana Pacers, who were plus 39. But that being said, since they had the best point differential, they're the top seed, and they'll be facing the wild card team. So they'll be playing the New York Knicks, who I believe that was their very first game. Yes, it was. The very first game for either of those teams in group play was against each other, the the Bucks and the Knicks. So now in the opening round of the tournament, they'll be playing each other. We'll talk about that a little more in detail in just a moment. Um, as far as this uh, Bucks heat game, it was one of the more exciting games of the whole group play stage, full stop, especially with the stakes. Uh, 18 lead changes overall back and forth affair throughout but the bucks with uh you know some clutch plays late were able to win it uh and large part thanks to a big game from chris middleton but let's talk heat stats first uh they got 31 points 10 boards from bam out of bio uh no jimmy butler in this game no tyler hero so out of bio definitely having to shoulder much more of a workload uh they also got 21 points six assists from kyle lowry 20.7 assists from josh richardson uh, 14 each from Hame Haquez. I did learn watching the broadcast. That's how you pronounce it. And I want to apologize for mispronouncing it in the past, but Hame Haquez, 14.6 assists. And they also got 14 points off the bench from Caleb Martin and then 13 points from Duncan Robinson. Uh, so a lot of production from those guys. Meanwhile, for the Bucks, yes, uh, Chris Middleton, his best game, uh, maybe up this po- up to this point in the season, 17 points, eight boards. I, I led in with that, and, and that's not really that exciting of a game, but it's just good to see him maybe getting a little bit more consistent with the production, I suppose. Uh, really, it was Giannis and Damon Lillard. Uh, Giannis with 33 points, 10 boards, five assists, three steals, a block. Uh, Lillard with 32 points, nine assists. Both those guys really doing what you'd expect them to do. Outside of that, production they got 16 points and 10 rebounds from Malik Beasley he was four of eight from three-point range really had a nice game uh 12 points for Brooke Lopez and uh those were their double figure scorers the starters really carrying a lot of the workload some points off the bench as well from Connaughton and Portis but uh, a great job for those guys to get that win and again the Bucks will face the Knicks in the first round of the uh the quarterfinals of the knockout rounds of the end season tournament. So congratulations to the bucks, uh, tough loss for the heat. Now the heat, I guess will just be re- refocused on the regular season and the, uh, the status quo, I suppose. Let's jump to the next game. Uh, even though the Cavs won it, you know, they didn't have quite enough in the point differential to, uh, to catch the Knicks. It was close. I think it was within 10, maybe even within five points. Um, and actually, we could probably check that real quick. Uh, 29 to the Knicks, 42. It was a little, I guess, a little bit bigger. 13-point point differential. So if they had really blown out the Hawks, 
They didn't quite do that. The Cavs still won 128 to 105. Uh, so not quite a big enough point differential, but still a good win. Uh, especially in the fourth quarter, they they kind of ran away with it. Uh, but, uh, you know, still a good win for the regular season standings, if nothing else. Looking at the things for the, the scores for the Hawks here, uh, leading scores tied DeAndre Hunter as well as Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, in Bogdanovich's case coming off the bench. 18 points for each of those guys. Uh, then they got 14 each from Sadiq Bay and Clint Capella. And then 13 each from three guys. DeJounte Murray, Trey Young, and Onyeko Kongwu. So very balanced attack. Meanwhile, for the Cavaliers, Donovan Mitchell doing everything he could to put this game away. 40 points, 11 boards, 5 assists, uh, 6 turnovers, but still great all-around game. A little rough from the three-point range, but great scoring. And then six other guys in double figures, including Darius Garland, 19 points, 8 assists. Uh, how about this for Evan Mobley? 17 points. 19 rebounds and seven blocks uh, that defensive impact and the glass, uh, you know, uh, cleaning up the glass. There it is, you know, phenomenal. And he, he can just be a real game breaker sometimes. Uh, so great stuff for him. They also got 12 points off the bench from George Yang, 11 points each for Max Struess and Jared Allen. And then uh, two blocks, two steals as well for Struess, and then 10 points off the bench for Karis LeVert. So both teams balance attacks, and then you add the Donovan Mitchell scoring, and that really helped win the game for the Cavaliers. So not going to be in the in-season tournament, still a nice win uh, overall last night. Let's jump to the other game. Uh, by the way, Cavs-Hawks, that was East Group A. Jumping to East Group C, we had the Brooklyn Nets hosting the Toronto Raptors, and the Nets got the win, 115-103. to I think both these teams kind of knew they weren't probably going to make the tournament uh, or had much of a shot, or maybe the Nets might have been close, actually. They might have been in the uh, wild card conversation. They were. So so Nets were in the mix, and they're uh, like the third team behind the Magic at that point. Uh, so it was still a, a consequential game. Back and forth affair, 14 lead changes. Um and it's still a nice win for, for the Brooklyn Nets. Looking at things for the Raptors, uh, six guys in double figures, Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam, 17 points each. Uh, let's see, 15 for Gary Trent Jr. off the bench, 14 for Dennis Schroeder, 13 off the bench for Chris Boucher, and 10 points for OG Ananobi. Uh, balanced scoring, nine assists for Dennis Schroeder. Meanwhile, for the Nets, 23 points from Spencer Dinwiddie, 22 points, 10 rebounds for Mikhail Bridges. Uh, 18 for each uh, for both Cameron Johnson and Royce O'Neal. O'Neal coming off the bench and 15 points for Nick Claxton. So, you know, not the most thrilling game in the world, I suppose. Nice win for the Nets. Uh, and again, they they made a run at it to be in that wild card mix at least a little bit, but uh, coming up a little bit short. And then in East Group C, this was actually the last East uh, Eastern Conference game for the in-season tournament. Um, the Boston Celtics clinched their group with a commanding win at home over the Chicago Bulls, 124 to 97, your final score. The Celtics clinch East Group uh, C. Congratulations to them. And with that, they are the uh, the third seed. Their point differential uh, is plus 27. The Pacers, as we mentioned, was plus 39. So the Pacers are the second seed. So those two teams, the Pacers, will host the Boston Celtics in the other matchup in the Eastern conference. So that'll be very interesting to watch for as well. Uh, both teams went four and zero in group play, the group play stage, 
Looking at stats for the Bulls, 19 points each for both DeMar DeRozan and Kobe White, 14 for Patrick Williams, and 10 for Euda Somu. Meanwhile, for the Boston Celtics, 30 points for Jalen Brown, 21 points for Jason Tatum, uh, 16 for Horford, 14 for both Derek White and Drew Holiday, and then 11 for Peyton Pritchard coming off the bench. Uh, Horford also with three blocks and two steals, uh, 10 boards for Sam Hauser off the bench. Uh, pretty commanding win for the Celtics. And again, they're moving on to the group, the, uh, the knockout rounds. So congratulations to them. Uh, then we had three games to close out the West uh, group standings. Uh, a couple of these games determined outcomes for teams that weren't in these games. Uh, starting with the Minnesota Timberwolves hosting the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now that one was, let's see, that was a West Group C matchup. The Timberwolves winning would give them at least somewhat of a, a breath of a chance at the wild card uh, record-wise. The point differential needed to be kind of close, but basically uh, with a three-point win, the point differential across three wins and one loss was zero. So that's interesting. They won the three games close, and then the one loss was you know, a blowout or whatever to have a, a zero point differential. But, uh, you know, credit to Timberwolves, still a good win. There's some concerns about Anthony Edwards. He fell on a, uh, I believe it was a drive or a putback attempt, something of that nature, uh, and had a pretty hard fall, looked like maybe on the right shoulder. So definitely we're going to be on the lookout for updates on that front. Definitely don't want to see him miss time. You don't want to see anyone miss time with injury, but especially a guy like that who was really emerging this season. Um, yeah, seven lead changes, uh, big run by the Timberwolves at the end. Well, you know, just a little more steady offense for the Timberwolves in the fourth quarter, able to control the game for them. You also saw consistent booing throughout the game for Josh Giddy due to the news item that we mentioned in the last episode. Um, I'm sure that will be a consistent theme. If those allegations are true, uh, I would probably be booing alongside those people. But that's besides the point. Let's talk about stats uh, for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Shakos Alexander led the way, 32 points, uh, three steals, two blocks. They had 16 from Chet Holmgren, eight boards, six assists for him. And then 10 points each for Jalen Williams and the aforementioned Josh Giddy. Meanwhile, for the Timberwolves, uh, Anthony Edwards, before he left the game, uh, after 28 minutes of play, he had 21 points. They got 17 points, 16 rebounds, and four blocks from Rudy Gobert. 13 points, 10 boards for Carl Anthony Towns. They also got 17 off the bench from Troy Brown Jr. and 15 off the bench from Nas Reed. Nas Reed continues to be a, you know, above average, overachieving backup big. I really like him, and I'd be curious to see what he would be able to do with a starting opportunity. Uh, on some kind of team. I'm not sure which team would, you know, be in the position to make that move, but it could be intriguing if that ever happened. Uh, but again, good win for the Timberwolves. Uh, so that meant the other West group C game that we'll close this out with was going to be the intriguing close to the group play stage. But let's talk about West group B and the Dallas Mavericks hosting the Houston Rockets. If the Rockets won, they would have had a chance to, uh, vie for the uh 
the win in their group in group B, they would have been contending with the Pelicans, but they lost uh, by six to the Mavericks. So that was a moot point. The Mavericks had already kind of been eliminated at that point. Uh, final score, 121 to 115. I believe I might've already said that, but anyways, uh, Mavericks led most of the game until uh, early third quarter. Rockets took a lead. Mavericks took it back in the fourth. Uh, so the Rockets definitely fought for it, but uh yeah, Mavericks able to come out on top. Looking at the scores for the Rockets, Alper and Shangun, 31 points, nine boards, six assists, uh, 16 each for Jabari Smith Jr. and Dylan Brooks, 12 for Jalen Green on not great shooting numbers, a uh, little bit of a recurring theme, 11 points off the bench for Terry Eason, uh, 10 points, 12 assists for Fred Van Vliet, and... Uh, that was kind of the double figure scores for the Rockets. Meanwhile, for the Mavericks, Luka Doncic, 41 points, nine boards, nine assists, nearly the 40 point triple double uh, stellar game. They also got 27 from Kyrie Irving, uh, 15 points for Derek Jones Jr., 12 points for Dante Exum, and 11 points for Tim Hardaway Jr. Jones, Hardaway, and Exum, all those coming off the bench. And how about Dante Exum making a bit of a return in a reserve role for the Mavericks? So, Great win for Dallas, and that takes us to the final game. And at this point, the stakes were as follows. With the Rockets losing, the Pelicans had clinched West Group B, so congratulations to them. Uh, the Suns uh, had actually already clinched a wild card spot, and I believe that was before we had gotten into uh, last night's action. I don't know if I had realized that or if I did, if I had had a chance to congratulate the Suns, but congratulations to the Phoenix Suns. So the wild card was taken. The winners of Group A and Group B were taken, the Lakers and the Pelicans. So it was down to West Group C. The Kings, who were 3-0, and the Warriors, who were 2-1, going into a game against each other. And the magic number was 12. If the Kings lost, they would still clinch the division or the group rather, but if they lost by 12 points or more, the Warriors would then clinch the group. So it was up for grabs. And early on, it looked like the Warriors were going to be able to, to string some magic together and, you know, clinch an easy spot in that, in the tournament. And they would be a, a team to watch out for because of what the Warriors have meant in recent years with Curry and Thompson, and especially in a single elimination you know, what one of those guys can do on a given night, uh, that would de definitely be something to watch out for. That looked very much to be the case, especially in the first half. I mean, the Warriors led by as much as 24 points towards the end of the second quarter. Looked like a runaway for a game that was in Sacramento. However, the Kings kept it somewhat close. I mean, they brought it to kind of within 10 at the end of the third quarter, and then they just kept working at it. They made some stops and they were able to take a couple of leads. Uh, it was back and forth in the final few minutes. And then a clutch, clutch three from Malik Monk, I believe, uh, put them up ahead for, or put them in the lead for good. And they, they got the win and they didn't even need to win. They just needed to have a close game, but they got the win anyways. They got the undefeated record in group play. And they clinch West Group C. So congratulations to them. As far as box scores for that game, for the Warriors, they were led by Stephen Curry. No surprise, 29 points, 10 boards, and 6 assists. Uh, Andrew Wiggins as well, 29 points and 10 boards. Uh, both those guys shooting pretty well from the three-point line. They got 20 points from Clay Thompson. 
with two blocks and a steal as well and nine rebounds. So all three of those guys crashing the glass and then 10 points for Dario Saric coming off the bench as well as 11 points for Moses Moody. Meanwhile, for the Kings, they had 29 from De'Aaron Fox, 21 from both Kevin Herter and Malik Monk, 12 points for Harrison Barnes and 11 points for Trey Lyles. Uh, Lyles and Monk, of course, coming off the bench. Pretty commensurate scoring as far as the distribution there. Just a few more points in the Kings' favor. Uh, and the Kings actually were the, the worst shooting percentage team in all factors for the game. But they were able to, uh, I don't know, they got a few more defensive stops at the end. They were even out-rebounded. Uh, but they they pulled some magic together, and they, they got the job done. So congratulations to the Kings. And with that, that recaps our, our game action. Let's see if we can dive into uh, some summaries. Well, real quick, let's talk picture of the West as far as who's playing who. Uh, since the Lakers had the best point differential with the best record of the group winning teams, they are the number one seed, and they will consequently play the wild card, who also happens to be in their division, the Phoenix Suns, or in their group, rather. So it'll be the Lakers and the Suns playing each other in Los Angeles, and that means the other game, uh, will be the Kings hosting the Pelicans. Uh, Kings with a 4-0 record, the Pelicans with a 3-1 record. So in Sacramento, the Kings will host that game. So exciting end to group play action. And with that, let's go ahead and look at the uh, the tournament as it stands. Again, 1-4 in the West, Lakers-Suns in Los Angeles. 2-3 in the West, Kings and Pelicans. In Sacramento, in the East, one and four book uh, Bucks and Knicks in Milwaukee, and then two and three, uh, the Pacers and the Celtics in Indiana, or Indianapolis uh, to be specific. So, again, if you're not familiar with this aspect of the tournament, this is the tournament itself. These first games are going to be at the home sites, as we've said. The winners of these games advance to the semifinals. The semifinals and the championship, both of those games will be in, uh, well, both sets of games. There will be three games total. Those will all be in Las Vegas. The The quarterfinals and the semifinals all count towards regular season games. So the schedule is going to continually be adjusted as these games uh, are finalized. And then the championship game doesn't count towards regular season standings but of course that determines the winner of the first ever nba cup who gets all that prize money all the players on the championship team get five hundred thousand dollars and for your Giannis antenacupos your lebron james's your anthony davis's that's not as much money but let's say for the two-way contract guys the 10th, 11th, 12th man off the bench. That's a lot of money. And so they'll certainly be playing for it, you would think. And the the starters, as far as a team camaraderie, you would hope they'd be like, let's get the money for for the the younger guys or the, the bench guys or whatever it is. So I think that's a fun atmosphere. And if nothing else, you know, there's some detractors maybe about the end season tournament. If nothing else, I think this should be just a lot of fun, you know. Maybe the the tournament or the cup won't factor that much into what we NBA fans get bogged down with so much as far as, oh, who, 
what does this mean for a player's legacy, right? Maybe it won't really mean that much at all for, oh, this player won the NBA Cup. That means they're such a great player because it's a small scale. It's single elimination games. It's, you know, trying to recreate a, you know, March Madness type of magic. It's more just let's have some fun with it. Here's some some teams that have some a chance to to win something cool and get some money. You know, it's all just about making it fun, I guess. And you know, as much as we bemoan the lack of oh, they don't call the games all that great, the NBA is entertainment. You know, I don't think that players go out there with that mentality or referees. I think there's integrity to the game itself, but the way the product is presented and structured as far as in-season tournament or play-in tournament or all-star games, those are the factors along with things like city uniforms, you know, these one-off uniforms for merchandising as well, but it's all about the spectacle and the entertainment value. And that's, you know, this is a, a peak example of that. So I think we, as fans should just, you know, I've been open to it as best I can be, you know, going into it with open mind and I don't mean to lecture people. That's not what this is, but you know, let's just go into this with an exciting, you know, the possibilities of, you know, how, how fun this could be, the single elimination game, which outside of the playing tournament in recent years, we really haven't had in the NBA uh, except in very small measure or in very, you know, early history of the NBA. So I think it's a lot of fun. As far as the schedule, uh, those uh, quarterfinal games are going to be December 4th and December 5th. Uh, The Pacers Celtics and uh, Kings Pelicans games, those two, three matchups, those are going to be the fourth, which is a Monday uh, again at the home sites. And that's a TNT doubleheader. And then also on TNT on December 5th, will be the Bucks, Knicks, and Lakers-Suns games. So those will be the, the schedule for those quarterfinal games. The semifinals will be December 7th uh, on either ESPN or TNT, depending on how they schedule those. And then the championship game will be December 9th on ABC. So definitely exciting to, to watch out for that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and that's going to kind of segue us into our key news I'm realizing now I didn't play the audio drop. I apologize for that. But uh, with that interesting update, the inside the NBA team is going to join forces with the ESPN team, the two broadcast teams for in-season tournament coverage in the, the Vegas portion. So the semifinals and the championship, which is interesting. Usually studios do not like to work together, uh, but the inside the NBA team is going to be joined by guys like Stephen A. Smith and Michael Wilbon, uh, Doc Rivers and uh, Mike Breen. Uh, oh, interesting. Reggie Miller is joining the Mike Breen, Doris Burke, and Lisa Salter's crew. Kevin Harlan is calling the TNT coverage with Doc Rivers and an Ali LaForce. Interesting stuff. Um, should be uh, should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think that's fun to see those guys working together a little bit. So. Uh, a fun update there. Um, as far as the schedules for uh, game schedules for teams who didn't qualify for the knockout round, here's another update. Again, if you weren't playing in the knockout round, you need to have that additional game. And so 
they've put together, I'm sure they've already put together schedules. And now with the knockout round solidified, here's the schedule for all those teams that didn't play. Um, so some additional, a couple additional games added to the schedule for those remaining teams. Um, these are going to be December 6th or December 8th. Uh, so if you're curious about that, you can, you can find those schedules. It's on the NBA website. Also Adrian Wojnarowski has tweeted about the specific schedule. So um, there's that. Uh, as far as the rest of our news, uh, here's one about the Pelicans. CJ McCollum was named the NBA cares Bob Lanier community assist award winner for the month of October. So congratulations to him. Uh, he's been sidelined with an injury, but uh, good to see him recognized outside of, you know, on the court, off the court stuff uh, for his impact in the community. Uh, of course, he's also involved in the players association. Uh, he's a pretty well-spoken and uh, a great, you know, he's a credit to the league as a whole. So definitely well, well-earned and congratulations there. Um, some news for the Mavericks and longtime owner, Mark Cuban, he is, entering or has entered an agreement to sell his majority stake of the Mavericks. Now he will actually stay on with the franchise and retain the basketball operations kind of side of it. Uh, Not quite the GM type role, but more like the, you know, who is the GM? Who's the coach? Who's the, uh, you know, front office personnel. What do the uniforms look like? He'll still be on the sideline, sideline, I'm sure, or the you know baseline or whatever. So he'll still be in that aspect of it. And here's a fun note: when he bought the team, he bought it for, I believe the price was 265 million dollars, and that was in the year 2000. Uh, this stake that he's selling is going to be worth, uh, let's see, is it? Two billion that he's selling. Yes. Oh, here we go. Agreement would be in the valuation range of three point five billion. But again, I believe that's for the franchise as a whole. This is a majority stake, so I'm not sure if it would be that full dollar amount. But it's still, I mean, a times ten return on what he what he bought them for. I mean, that's if you want to talk about safe investments that you know only 0.1% of people have a chance to to be involved in um, by a professional sports team. They will continue to increase, especially if it's the NBA or the NFL. So uh, anyways, fun stuff. And I kind of like to see him staying with the Mavericks. Uh, I like Cuban as a personality. And you can't deny that since he's been with the Mavericks, they've been better than they were before he was there. I mean, in the nineties, they were one of the worst teams in professional sports in a good chunk of the nineties. So uh, the one gripe I have, Mark, can you change the uniforms at this point? I mean, it's kind of a classic as far as the, the 2011 championship with Dirk, I get that, but they're not great. I, I feel like they could be a lot better. The panels are weird and the strike. Anyways, um, I'm realizing as I'm recording this episode, I'm sounding a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say salty at the risk of using a word I think is in vogue, but isn't quite in vogue. Um, I don't know, a little perturbed, a little annoyed. I don't mean to sound that way. I'm just getting a little more 
uh, I'm being a little more short with some of these topics. So apologies if that has been the case. Um, and then I was coming through uh, some different, uh, you know, reporters uh, updates on Twitter that aren't uh, available or that haven't been posted on the NBA website. First of all, from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, uh, New Orleans guard CJ McCollum is expected to make his return to the lineup versus Philadelphia tonight, uh, November 29th. Um, he's been out since November 4th with a collapsed lung. Uh, the Pelicans are five and seven without him, which is funny because they were strong enough in the in-season tournament to uh, clinch their group, but uh, they'll definitely like to have him back for sure. Uh, update on another star player returning Nuggets star Jamal Murray will make his return versus the Rockets tonight. Definitely uh, needed for the Nuggets. They've struggled without him. Uh, they're six and five without Murray. They won to six or seven to start the season with him. So, I mean, struggled in their terms. They were still technically above 500, but they want to be winning 60 to 70% of their games. So, uh, yeah, definitely good to see him returning. And then uh, update for Chris Paul of the Warriors. He has a lower leg nerve contusion. He's expected to be day-to-day with that injury. So he exited during that game versus the Kings last night. Uh, definitely good to see that it's not as serious as maybe it could have been. Uh, updates from Shams Tarania of The Athletic. Uh, and I forgot to mention this last time. Hawks forward Jalen Johnson is expected to miss four to six weeks with a left left wrist injury. That's definitely tough to hear, especially with his step up and play this season and how much he's helped them. So definitely want to wish him the best returning from that injury. Um, let's see what else. Uh, we had the little ball update. I did give you that. Uh, also, Gary Payton, the second, has suffered a torn right calf and will be sidelined indefinitely for the Warriors. Definitely tough, especially a guy who had injury concerns in recent years. Would like to see him remain healthy, uh, but we'll definitely wish him the best as he works to uh, recover from that injury. Um, and I believe that's the major news that we have at this time. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up our key news and we will uh, move on to, again, the, the tournament preview. We'll try and lend what little we can to this conversation uh excuse me maybe we'll have a little bit more to say on friday um let's let's start start with bucks knicks let's see what we can glean from that uh previous matchups when they played for you know at the beginning of the uh in-season tournament of course the bucks won that since they were undefeated in the, the group play 110 to 105 was the score there. Excuse me. Let's look at uh, records this season so far. Of course, the Bucks are third in the East, tied with the Magic at this point. 13 and five. Uh, winners of their last three. They're eight and two in their last 10. The Knicks are seven and three in their last 10 and are 10 and seven overall, fifth in the East. So it's an in-season tournament game. But these are two of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. Uh pretty closely matched and we know that the Knicks uh at times can have a magic element to them with uh you know Jalen Brunson can have some nice games Julius Randle they have the guys off the bench and Josh Hart and Emmanuel quickly um but 
with the Bucks, you know, Giannis and Lillard, I get the feeling that they're going to be eager to prove that they can win, you know, meaningful games. Not that it's the same as a playoff level atmosphere, but uh, I think it'll be a competitive game. I would kind of stick to a Bucks pick there, but uh, all of these games should be exciting. And that's no exception. Uh, let's real quick talk uh, the the next Eastern Conference game, or actually the one that precedes it on Monday. That's the Pacers hosting the Celtics. Now the Celtics are the top team record-wise in the NBA so far, 14 and 4, 8 and 2 in their last 10. The Pacers are 9 and 7, 6 and 4 in their last 10, uh, 6th in the East. So it's interesting that, of course, the Pacers are the higher seed because they did better in the group play stage. But, you know, I think that despite a Celtics win massively, they beat the Pacers by 51 points earlier this season and actually earlier this month, November 1st. I would think that the Pacers, especially with their their inspired run and their continued play of their star, Tyrese Halliburton, I want to give the Pacers, you know, some love here. And I feel like they have a chance to win this, especially with we know the Celtics can be, you know, they're almost like the Eagles are in this current NFL season. You know, they're stringing together all these wins, but their star players, you know, or they're, you know, they never look fully there. You know, a lot of great games, but they're not always as consistent as you'd like, especially like Jason Tatum. Um and so I want to, you know, give some love to the Pacers as a dark horse, even though they're the higher seed. Uh, they're going to be under, you know, they're going to be the underdog in a sense. Uh, they'll be in Indiana, so that'll help it. The the Indiana crowd, that, you know, grassroots basketball crowd with a single elimination atmosphere, that's going to be dynamite. And I think that's going to really help out the Pacers. So definitely watch out for the Pacers there, uh, in my opinion. Excuse me. Uh, Lakers-Suns, this is maybe going to be the best game of the the quarterfinal round uh, with the star power on display, even with no Bradley Beal. This should be really good. And uh, earlier this year in the the group play uh, portion, the Lakers beat the Suns, of course, but it was a close game uh, nonetheless. 122 to 119 was your final score there. Uh, And then in the one of the first games of the season, the Lakers won that as well, 100 to 95. Close games. This will almost certainly be a close game as well. Durant versus LeBron in a pseudo playoff type atmosphere. You know, Booker versus Anthony Davis. Recent years history between these teams. I can't really prognosticate on a team that will win because I think there's convincing arguments for both. Close game. Whoever wins, it's going to be really intriguing to watch as far as that goes. And then your final game uh, will be that Kings Pelicans game. This is the other Monday night game. Uh, Kings hosting the Pelicans in uh, their previous two meetings this season. The Pelicans won one of them and won very big 30 plus points. So that's convincing for new Orleans. And that was actually within the last couple of weeks, but if anything, that will also give the Kings some motivation going into it. Not that you really need that motivational aspect, but uh, the Pelicans will be a tough task, especially with 
Uh, CJ McCollum, you know, you would think being back in the lineup at that point, um, you know, Zion's played well, Brandon Ingram, Valen Chunas. There's a lot to like for the Pelicans, uh, but <clears throat> the Kings have more just been struggling to, to get consistent traction. We know they have the talent and they have star players to do it. Um, and again, with recent losses to the Pelicans and the playoff-ish atmosphere in Sacramento, that home crowd is really going to aid them. It's worth noting both those losses to the Pelicans were in New Orleans. So definitely worth keeping that in mind. The Kings have a good chance to win that, but the Pelicans are going to be tough. So all those games are going to be very exciting. I'm very excited for us to uh, to get to that portion of uh, the season next week that those quarterfinal games will be. So uh, definitely fun stuff to watch out for. But that's our little attempt at an in-season tournament preview. Let's now uh, real quick do a weekly prediction uh, because it's Wednesday and we – I mean, we did one last week, but it feels like it's been a little while since we did one of our more normal, uh, you know, scheduled uh, segments, I suppose. I mean, we did Monday's stuff, but on a Tuesday, we're back on a Wednesday. So let's do our weekly prediction. We play predictions. <clears throat> Okay, I'm going to stick with the in-season tournament theme for my weekly prediction. And I was glowing about the Pacers, and I'm this is my reason because I was thinking about this before the show. Here's my prediction. The Indiana Pacers will play in the finals of the in-season tournament. Now, I'm not guaranteeing they win the whole thing uh, because Lakers and Suns especially are very stout teams in the West. And the Pacers don't have an easy road in the East with – the Celtics first and then potentially the Bucks second. But keep in mind, they beat the Bucks in in-season tournament play. So that's in their favor. Um, actually, was it in the in-season tournament play? No, it wasn't. They they just beat the Bucks earlier in this season. That's what I mean to say. So, so that's something in their favor. But also, um, what Tyrese Halliburton has done isn't the most flashy at times. But I think it's higher quality, you know, and I don't, again, I don't mean to disparage guys like Westbrook or Harden. Uh, I think they get enough of that in, in recent years, but there has been that argument against them when they put up these high stats, you know, lots of scoring, lots of assists, lots of rebounds, you know, it's very impressive. And then you also sometimes see the footnote of how many turnovers they had, excuse me, or the efficiency of their shot selection. And, Halberton isn't perfect, but the more, you know, the record type stats that I've seen from him have been, you know, massive assists with little to no turnovers, you know, high scoring with high uh, shooting percentages from three point range. I like that mixed with, you know, the, the, the motley crew of the, the Pacers, you know, Miles Turner, a consistent, steady defensive center who plays a great brand of basketball uh, Buddy Heald, Benedict Matherin, Andrew Nemhard, guys that can score and especially shoot from three. Uh, shooters, especially, that's kind of an Indiana staple, especially at the high school level. You got to be able to shoot the basketball. Um, and uh, 
you know, they've got Obi Toppin, who I really love. I like that addition, especially coming over from the team like the Knicks kind of feeds that rivalry. You know, Toppin was a, a bit player for the Knicks. And now he gets a chance to be starting some games for the Pacers and he plays well. Uh, he's not just an athlete. He can do a few different things. And so I like their mix. I like the way they've played and, you know, they play the Celtics, but they're in Indiana again, that environment. And then if they win and let's say the Bucks win, I believe, yeah, the Bucks would be the host team, but that would be in Las Vegas, not in Milwaukee. So then you get into really a March Madness type atmosphere. You know, it's a home game, but it's not even at either of your team, you know, either your team or the team you're playing's. You're in some other city. So uh, you'll have the the crowd rooting for the underdog there. Uh, you know, it's March Madness in the NBA like they want. So I like the Pacers' chances to get to the finals. And that's going to be my, my weekly prediction for this week. So with that, uh, I think we've kind of run through most of our, our segments and kind of talked about the main points that I wanted to talk about this week. So we'll go ahead and wrap things up because as you can tell, and as I said at the beginning, still not fully healed. By Friday, I should be pretty much 100%, I believe. But we'll wrap things up with our This Day in History fact for you. Uh, this one, we're not going back too far, but we're going to 2015. And I was realizing as I put together today's, as well as Friday's, uh, This Day in History fact, that the theme of this week, similar to what we did on Tuesday, is kind of franchise greats, guys who played their whole career with one team. Of course, yesterday we mentioned Reggie Miller on that Pacers subject. Today we're talking 2015. Kobe Bryant announces via a poem on the Players' Tribune website that he will retire after the 2015-2016 season. Bryant spent his entire 20-season NBA career with the Los Angeles Lakers. And again, that was November 29th of 2015. And of course, hard to not get a little emotional when you mention Kobe Still hard to believe that he uh, is has passed away. Uh, him and his family, we always want to wish them uh, the best when it comes to anything, kind of remembering his his legacy. But it's a strong legacy. He wasn't a perfect person. You know, definitely had some some mistakes. But I think long-term, the impact he had on, on basketball culture, you know, and especially the whole – his lasting legacy – yeah, there'll be people from maybe my generation who do the whole the Kobe thing and you're you know shooting a, a fadeaway shot or a tough shot. But more than that, I think what he'll mean for future generations, the mama mentality, you know, people who want to exceed in basketball, young people who want to be good at basketball, what he means is, you know, work ethic, consistently putting in the hours to be good at your craft and not just basketball, anything you do in life. If you work at it consistently, you'll get better. And that's what it takes to be uh, to be great in anything that you do. So I think that's really his legacy. And that's a that's a great legacy to hang your hat on. But definitely, uh, you know, worth remembering uh, what he meant to the NBA and to the sport as a whole. Um, that being said, that takes care of our show today. Um, I'll real quick go ahead and plug our social media pages for you. On Instagram and Facebook, we're at Crossover Across Time. Uh, fairly straightforward to find us there. On Twitter or X, whichever you prefer, there we're at X Over Across Time. Simply due to the character limit for the username. Um, on all three of those, you also find a link tree, which we'll link to 
any of the other pages, but we'll also link to the podcast itself. Of course, you're already listening, but if you're not aware of all the places we are able to be listened to, we're on uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and RSS.com. So definitely you know, check us out, support us in any way you can. You're already supporting us by listening, but we really appreciate your support in however you decide to do it. Um, but again, that takes care of our show uh, today. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back with the uh, the Friday episode. We're probably going to have a pretty jam-packed Friday episode. And I'm planning on having a little more concrete updates on something I mentioned last week as far as bonus episodes for uh you know, franchise focuses to get us ahead of schedule there. Uh, So definitely stay tuned for that. But once again, thank you for listening and we'll be back with that Friday episode. 